Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's new episode of our PrepCast. This podcast is dedicated to MBA and master's orientation and preparation. My name is Martina, and I'm glad to say hello again to my special guest, Susan Berishai. Susan is the founder of CIA Admissions Consulting, and you know her very well from our previous episodes. I will leave a link to them here in the description of this podcast. Susan, thank you so much for sharing your time with us and for accepting our invitation. Uh, could you, you please Martina. tell a little bit more about your background and how did you end up working in the field of MBA? Absolutely, happy to. Um, so I am uh, I am American, but uh, grew up in Montenegro, Eastern Europe. For those who are unfamiliar, it's a, so small of a country that most people don't know it. <laughs> um, that are outside of Europe, not in Europe, um, and uh, have studied in uh, uh, in the United States. So did my undergraduate from NYU and my graduate studies from Yale University. Um, and for a couple of years, I worked in finance where I was exposed to um, the consulting, uh, the admissions consulting world um, from uh, candidates actually um, asking or applicants asking uh, for feedback um, on their materials, um, one of which was a candidate who was in the private equity um, um, field looking to apply to Harvard Business School. Uh, she had already hired a con consultant. Uh, she told me about that experience. And um, then uh, uh, she asked me to read her essay. And I had to be very honest and say, well, I'm sorry to tell you to be the bearer of bad news, but this essay will not get you into Harvard. Um, it has no personality. I don't know who you are, who is writing this essay. Um, and of course, it was hard to hear. And I, um, of course, acknowledge that. And it was also hard to say, to, 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 see, to, to really sort of um, uh, not trying to crush someone's dreams, but really trying to um, tell them the reality of how difficult it is to get into these programs. And uh, we worked together on essentially 13 different drafts that ended up um, getting in, getting her um, to a, or showcasing her profile. Not that I got her because she did the legwork, um, but, uh, you know, she applied to five schools and HBS was the only school she got admitted to. Um, and that was a moment of pride for me that I was able to help someone um, change their life, be able to get to the institution that they're looking to go into that would, of course, open many doors um, for her in particular. So um, as I was working in finance, I kept contemplating, um, do I want to be in finance or do I want to do something different? And um, uh, more people, I help more people along the way. And I realized that I really love helping, getting to know people's stories and helping them craft craft that narrative for the admission team. So I've been um, unofficially um, supporting MBA applicants um, for seven years and officially for uh, since 2017. Um, and uh, Currently, I work with, uh, you know, ambitious applicants um, who are targeting top 20 MBA programs, mostly in the U.S., but I have helped others um, gain admission to, your, to top European schools as well. Um, and uh, I have a 90% placement rate, uh, which means 9 out of 10 of my candidates get admitted to at least one of their top choice programs. Um, and it's been a, such a rewarding journey to be able to not only learn from everyone I work with about their experiences and, and just 
you know, shared, you know, shared journeys, um, but uh, also um, get to help them craft that story that uh, makes it enticing for the admission team to read it and, and you know, grant them admission. Awesome. Thank you, Susan. It's always a pleasure uh, talking with you. And today we are going to talk about uh, studying in the U.S. as an international applicant. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, stay till the end, everyone, because you're going to um, receive a lot of tips from Susan. And <laughs> my first question is um, how to decide which schools to apply, because there are so many schools in in United States. So uh, how do uh, prospective students actually uh, decide which school to apply? Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, the United States has a lot, a lot of business schools that uh, uh, applicants can choose from. Um, and it's and it's difficult. So I acknowledge that the challenge of, of it. Um, the, the first question that I would ask if I was in the applicant's shoes is really understand what it is um, that they're looking to do um, first and foremost. Uh, so don't, while an MBA is a general degree, there are schools that are stronger in certain fields than there are in others. Um, if you just want a general MBA, if you're not really concerned, if your concerns are only like uh, how much it costs, if you're concerned, uh, if you have a struggle getting that GMAT or GRE scores, of course, you're going to have to focus your, your, your target, your school selection, um, schools that are lower in the rank. Uh, but if you have stronger you know, strong academics, strong um, GMAT or test scores, um, and you're ambitious and you want to really invest um, the funds, then you target more top-ranked institutions. Um, and from there, you're going to look at selecting what do the schools offer you. And um, that's an important piece, not just academically, but also experientially. Um, what opportunities are they going to have? And of course, you have to narrow down your list from there. Uh, look at what ge with geographies are you going to be um, working in. Um, as an international applicant, one thing that I would that I would actually encourage a lot of international applicants to look at is if the MBA is STEM designated. Um, that's an important piece because it allows international applicants um, the additional year extension, OPT extension, which means that um, employers have an opportunity to evaluate the candidate before sponsoring them uh, for a visa. And uh, that makes employers more comfortable to invest money and resources on someone they have had an opportunity to evaluate uh, than just having to make that decision relatively quickly after hiring them. Uh, so that's an important um, piece to keep in mind. So when you look at MBA programs in the US, look at what is that um, opportunity for the STEM, uh, what, is it STEM designated? Um, that's the first thing. And then also, what opportunities, how much how much uh, resources do they invest to make sure that the international applicants are um, uh, are fully taken care of? As an international applicant, um, uh, you may have uh, a lot of years of work experience in your specific geography, but you are moving to a new geography and you may not have a network. You may not understand the cultural nuances and the cultural differences, and you need a strong um supportive institution to help you get to where you want to go. Um, 
you know, I, I've uh, worked with uh, MBA candidates. So after they have started attending um, uh, an MBA and they were looking to do another, uh, another degree um, because they felt that their MBA didn't really help them get the job and they were really wor worried about uh, that piece. Um, so they ended up getting a second degree uh, to, to just help them make that next transition. You don't want to be in that situation is what I'm trying to say. Um, uh, so really do your due diligence beforehand and know the culture, have conversations with students, especially international students to get their perspective on how their experience has been. Um, look at the um, you know alumni base, where are they located uh, primarily, and then how much exposure do they have, uh, or, or how much of them are international um, that are working in that geography, you know that the geography where uh, you are targeting as well. Um, and then uh, also look at the employment report. The employment report is going to tell you in most situations, it's going to tell you the breakdown between. Um, how many of the U.S. applicants have gotten a job after three months of employment, uh, after three months of graduation? And then they'll break down the international applicants, how many of them have gotten a job post-degree. Um, if they don't share that, feel free to reach out to the admission team and ask for that information because it's an important piece of, you're not gonna invest essentially years of your time um, being away from work and then maybe having to go back to your home country uh, because you couldn't find a job. So it's an important piece uh, to know. And then the last thing I would say on this is to, uh, when you're selecting the schools, look for, um, well, the reputation of the school on a, on a more global scale. Um, and why I say this is that, I mean, we've experienced with, with Trump, um, you know, changes in policy around immigration. Um, we don't know, I and mean, when we see this, this whole new um, uh, problems that we're facing uh, politically in the United States, we don't know exactly what the policies are going to be by the time you graduate. Um, so you want to attend an institution that will have an international um, recognition that, okay, if you don't get a job in the United States, well, you will still be able to get a job somewhere else because you will have a network that will be able to support you in another region. Um, so those are the things that I would really consider as you're making that final selection. But don't shy away. Don't only focus on what the school has on the website. Have conversations. Those are the closest you can get to really knowing what your experience is going to be like at that institution. Great. Thank you. And are there actually any age limitations to attend a US MBA program? Uh, no one will say that there's an age limitation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, there are people that uh, are much older that are in MBA programs, um, but technically, but uh, you know, not technically, but generally speaking, um, uh, the class average is about 28 years old um, across the board. Um, some schools have older applicants, um, some schools have younger applicants, um, but that would be the kind of the average. Um, if you are considering a career in consulting, um, particularly, uh, I would say um, it will be ch more challenging to get that consulting job if you pass 30. Not impossible, 
but it's going to be much more challenging um, to get that job. And as a result, it's going to be much more challenging for the admission team to say, yes, we, we, we bet on you that you can do this. You can, you, you, we can help you get to your goals. I understand. I understand. And what is the usual length of study for MBA programs in the U.S.? Uh, for MBA programs, it's about two years. Um, so you're, most of them are two years. Some of them have um, one-year programs. So um, uh, so it really the, kind of depends on the on the person what they're interested in. The MBA programs are much more um, uh, competitive as far as applications are concerned, uh, just because they have a higher volume of applicants applying, whereas the one-year programs are not as popular. Um, uh, and as a result, it's not that it's easy to get admitted because you still have to meet the standards of the institution that you're targeting, but it's relatively easier in comparison. I understand. And um, I guess that uh, plenty of people are wondering, um, can you actually um, work while study in the United States um, as an international student? And uh, what are the living costs there? Yeah, yeah, that really depends on mm -hmm. a state by state, uh, mm -hmm. unfortunately. So there's no like blanket uh, covering them all. But um, as far as the working piece is concerned, um, you're typically able to work about 10 hours a week, but you cannot have a full-time job because your visa has restrictions. Um, so if you are a non-US citizen, I mean, I have international applicants who are US citizens like they have been working for years out of the United States, um, but they have the U.S. sort of like a, you know, um, uh, like they don't need a visa, essentially. Um, and those, you know, you can kind of choose how you want to, um, uh, you know, if you want to work uh, while getting an MBA. But typically the program is a residential program, which means that the classes are structured in a way that are kind of scattered all over. The expectation is that you'll be a full-time student. Um, and not really participate in, you know, working outside of the, you know, the 10 hours that you can work um, as a TA or um, something along those lines. Um, as far as costs are concerned, um, schools do post what the cost of living is. Definitely always add more because I'm not sure who makes those calculations, but those are like not realistic <laughs> as far as uh, um, uh, as far as what the cost of living is. I would say pr uh, cost of living is um, as far of like, you know, you should kind of anticipate that you'll need about like $2,000 a month. Um, for the duration of your studies. During the summer, you'll have an internship that's going to pay you. Uh, so it is a paid internship. Um, and then you kind of repeat. So um, that would be the uh, kind of like on average. Um, of course, look at every state. Um, this is not a blanket statement to say that everywhere is going to be the same. Uh, major metropolitan cities are going to be much more expensive um, than rural um, areas as far as the cost of living is concerned, but know that anywhere you're living that's close to campus, it's going to be filled with students and faculty living close to campus. So there's always going to be a higher cost um, than the average for that for that geographic area um, because of just the demand. Great, thank you. And I know that uh, a lot of perspectives are. Um wondering how to find out if an institution is accredited 
could you please um, give them some tips how to find this? Yeah, typically the schools, uh, the schools are going to be the ones who are um, uh, who are making, <clears throat> excuse me, they're, they're, it should be really available on the school's website. So they, it should says that it's an accredited institution on the website. Um, and um, you can trust that that's um, accurate. Um, they would never say something like that for fear of um, uh, lawsuits and major, major penalties. Um, so, uh, so trust that if it says on the website, uh, it is accredited, it is an accredited institution. Great. And uh, also, I was wondering what are English language proficiency requirements for a business school? Uh, because I know that there are a lot of people um, who, who are wondering because their English isn't good enough. And mm -hmm. what can they do in this situation? Yeah, absolutely. So um, typically, um, for most business schools, um, uh, applicants submit either the TOEFL or the IELTS. The TOEFL is measured from zero to um, 120 um, for a top-ranked institution. Um, 110 is kind of the average um, as far as the score is concerned. Uh, for the IELTS is zero to nine as far as the full measurement is concerned of the test, uh, the results of the test. And about a 7.5, it's the average of, you know, as far as like um, acceptable for top ranked business schools, um, uh, demonstrating that you have the English proficiency to be successful at a top ranked business school. Um, as far as what you can do to um, strengthen your English, um, uh, there is opportunities. I mean, if, if you understand English, um, that's great, uh, but don't just, know English in your head <laughs> or don't just know English in writing, um, really use as many opportunities as you can to uh, practice and practice makes perfect. Um, when I moved to the United States, um, I already knew English. My family spoke English to me. Um, uh, the, the national language in Montenegro is um, Serbian um, and uh, um, I'm Albanian in origin, so we spoke Albanian um, and my classes were in Albanian, um, but that was what I was practicing every single day. But English was something that I spoke to and I understood. When I came to the United States, I had a hard time <laughs> understanding what people were saying because absolutely so understand fast. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're talking so fast. So yeah. the more what I'm what I'm trying to get at is the more you can practice, the better you're going to be. Um, so Absolutely. Classes. Um, there are Toastmasters that are across the across the world. They have chapters. Um, participate in something like that where you have an opportunity to really practice. Um, look at uh, programs online. Um, uh, maybe do um, uh, you know have a pen pal or something like that, or you know um, just try to practice as much as you can actually speaking. Uh, one of the things that I would say is when I work with international um, applicants is that um, they're sometimes on like, um, they're not really secure in themselves. So they're placing a lot more pressure on themselves than they need to in this process. Um, so they may feel that their English is not good. Um, of course, you need to be able to communicate in English because all the classes and everything is done in English. Um, 
but uh, one uh, one thing I would say is don't be extremely hard on yourself as an international applicant. You are coming in with more languages than most Americans know. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, take take pride in where you're coming from, the language experience that you have, the exposures that you've had. Um, of course, work towards your English proficiency and be able to communicate with with um, with confidence. Um, and the way you do that is by just practicing um, in front of people. Absolutely, practicing is an essential part here. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was wondering, uh, is there an opportunity uh, for MBA students to customize their program uh, on their individual interest or there is a fixed set of subjects so mm -hmm. they do not have a choice? Yeah, so there's, uh, so um, in, in the MBA sort of language, we um, we talk about the core classes. So there are core classes that in most schools you have to take. That's a requirement for everyone. And then there are the electives. Electives are where you can customize. So in most programs, you have a lot of, um, uh, well, you have a mix of both, um, but you do have the opportunity to customize some of the classes that you are involved in. And in some programs, you also have an opportunity in those elective category to take classes at other institutions um, or other schools within the larger um, umbrella of the of this of the school that you are targeting. So, for example, if you are attending Yale SOM, you can take classes at the Jackson Institute um, for policy, uh, or you can take classes at the law school, or you can take classes at the School for Environmental Sciences. So, there is opportunity for you to take classes outside of the Yale SOM, uh, but still within the Yale University umbrella, and those still count towards your degree. One of the schools that is the most flexible as it relates to, um, you know, the, the the core versus electives is uh, Booth. So University of Chicago's um, uh, Booth School of Business. Uh, they only require one class. One class it's called Lead that you have to you have to take, and everything else is um, customizable. Now I say that, but with a caveat, in the sense that you still have to take finance classes, you still have to take accounting, and you still have to take marketing, and like all the things that make up an MBA degree, because in order for it to be an MBA, you have to meet some certain requirements. Um, otherwise, it's just like a you know make your own program <laughs> that doesn't work um, but the way they do it is that they allow you to take classes where you are as far as um, um, professional is concerned so for example if you are a finance professional um, and you have to take a finance class you may not take that introductory finance class you're going to take the one that is more advanced that will help you become a better professional uh, so you have the ability to customize on on that front but every school is a little bit different so look at and they share this very clearly on the school's website what's the core and what are the electives the core classes means this is fixed you can't change it um, and um, in some situations you can waive um, a class by showing that you have that exposure enough that you don't need to take that class but in most situations the core is what it is and the electives allow you to be more um uh like experiment and bringing classes that you're more interested in absolutely thank you so much for answering this one and um are there opportunities for um university exchange programs in mm -hmm. 
United States. Yes, um, yes. Uh, there's definitely opportunities for exchange. Many, many schools, I think all of the US, all of the top 20 schools have an opportunity to exchange and they have different opportunities, um, you know, based on kind of like the interest in the school and what they participate in. Um, so uh, you have an opportunity to exchange somewhere that you haven't been before. Typically, that's what you would want to do. Um, so, you know, if, if that's an important piece of the work that you are um, looking to um, uh, experience in an MBA program, absolutely take advantage of the exchange programs. You can study um, at a local institution and then you know participate in business um, projects in that region. So you really get not only the understanding of how you know business school is done in a particular country, but also how the locals uh, operate as business is concerned. So especially if you are looking to have a really international um, career, um, so you don't want to to, to, to create borders for yourself, um, the more you can have an opportunity to work externally or to have experiences of how business is conducted in different, in different parts of the world, um, definitely an exchange program is, is a great opportunity to gain that in the, in the MBA experience. Thank you. Um, I would like also to ask you um, about the visa procedures for international students. Um, could you give some direct points or maybe some tips uh, for all of those listeners yeah. who want to um, to come to US? Uh, I know that this is a long process. Maybe uh, it's not uh, something that you can finish for one day but um <laughs> uh, yeah uh but yeah if you could share some uh, interesting tips and uh, yeah some yeah. uh highlights here it will be great yeah absolutely so i would i would caveat this to say that i'm not a visa lawyer i don't uh, you know like i would recommend that anyone who's going through the visa process speak with a lawyer um that you know, in their region that recognizes the the the, the visa process for students, uh, because they're going to give you the most accurate advice. Um, as far as the visa concerned, um, you have to essentially have a offer from an institution, um, and the institution needs to provide to you a form that says, you know, we have admitted the student into the program, and here's the form for their visa um, uh, process. And then you are um, scheduling a interview with, um, you know, the embassy at in your local or close to your home country. Um, sometimes it happens that there's no embassies in, so you have to make no embassies in the vicinity of where a person lives. So they have to plan, you know, their trip to go somewhere, um, somewhere further away uh, for their appointment. Um, and then that's, in most cases, I haven't heard that there have been any issues um, on the visa front uh, for, uh, for applicants. Um, but of course, don't just assume that it's going to, you know, all work out. It's a stressful process and start as soon as you have made that deposit and as soon as you have said to the school, yes, I am accepting your offer of admission. And then you start the process of um, settling all those pieces so that you can uh -huh. you can you can make the moves um the the you know during covid there was some like problems in, not on the visa front but just on the travel front um so um not to say that you're going to experience that now but we never know 
what what's gonna happen in the world with everything that we're going through um so definitely plan you know the earlier you plan the better you're going to be as far as um settling everything and being able to join uh you know to 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 travel to the region where you will be attending um the business school and settling in before classes start otherwise you miss orientation and you like uh you know other people have made friends and you're just starting the process Absolutely. Thank you, Susan, so much. And I would like to um, finish uh, our episode today. Um, what will be your best general advice for an incoming student? As far as the application? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, uh, for international students, uh, the, the best advice that I would I would say, uh, especially if you're targeting um, business schools, um, if you're targeting an MBA program, is to demonstrate how your experiences in that particular region, in that particular sector, um, have uh, are valuable to someone in a business school um, classroom setting. So in the discussions, um, what you bring to the table, uh, that's how the school is evaluating your candidacy. So keep that in mind as you're writing your essays, as you're writing your resume, as you're asking your recommenders to write letters of recommendation that they speak to these qualities that you have, experiences that you've gained, um, that demonstrate to the admission team that you are someone of value uh, to that classroom, that you'll bring a new perspective, because they are looking for diverse perspective uh, to make up and challenge one another, uh, to think differently, to think more openly. So the more you can do that, uh, the better you are. And then the, the other thing I would say is, um, I know that most students in college have stayed up all night and written their essay for classes and submitted them the day that it was due. Uh, please don't do that in an MBA application. Um, it's not to your best interest. You are only going to be led to disappointment um, as far as uh, as far as the um, uh, admission is concerned. Um, it does take time to craft a really strong material strong application. Um, and especially if um, you are, um, if English is not your first language, um, you will need extra effort to make sure that you are communicating um, <clears throat> your experiences from your um, native language and your culture um, to an American audience. And that's an important piece that you can't really underestimate in this process, because sometimes when I work with international applicants, there is an element of um, kind of reflecting on those experiences and conveying them in a, in, in a way that um, meets what an American audience with the admission team um, is uh, looking for or is, is trying to understand. Uh, so I would say give yourself really ample time to do that. Awesome. Thank you. Absolutely.